Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast. I am Gina Stockton, and I am thrilled and honored that you are here. And I'm excited because we have a great guest today, Roy Cochran, who is a dear, dear friend of mine. We've been doing life together for a lot of years. Our families have done a lot of ministry and life together. Roy is a pastor, worship pastor, leader, mentor, father in the faith, and really a man after God's own heart. He and his wife, Christine, have a ministry called Third Chair that ministers to, encourages, and builds up creatives in the church. I am excited about this conversation. I asked Roy to share the story behind the name Third Chair because it has a profound impact, not just on his life, but just the implication for us as believers. So enjoy. Yeah. So thank you for being here. here. I'm excited that you're doing this. There's so much in you uh, that you have a lens to see things that I think sacred space is going to be a life giving river to a lot of listeners. Hmm. And, you know, even us getting our language, you know, we've been, we've, I used to have run-on sentences of the people that God would bring into our lives, and they were tech directors, and they were worship leaders, and they were musicians, and they were songwriters, and then they were film people, and they were photographers, and they <laughs> were all these things, and we kind of, you know, kind of condense it down to the word artist. Yeah. But what we've really found is that God is, because God's a creator and we're in his image, every one of you who are listening are creative. Yeah, and and our little niche happens to be with those who have kind of carved a, a living out, or they they're they're leaning into their creative side um, in a ministry or vocational way. But the truth of the matter is, the things that we are trafficking in really reach every person because yeah, there's absolutely. creativity in everything that everyone does. Absolutely, and Roy partnered with for a period of time different organizations like Worship Mentor Network Mm -hmm. and The Grove and in the last year has really launched he and Christine have launched uh, finally their ministry which is uh, Third Chair and I wanted to, Roy and I can actually sit here and probably talk for six hours (laughs) on so many things about intimacy with God about relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Spirit, the things that we've experienced, what we've experienced leading others, and and just what God's revealed to us. But Roy, specifically, I would love for you to share the story behind the name Third Mm. Chair. There's something really profound about that story, and it was really a a game changer for you Mm -hmm. personally. So I would love for you to share that story if you don't mind. Thanks. Yeah. In the the midst of... um, you and I growing up in serving in the church, in large platform arenas and whatnot, there was this air that we were really, and we were privileged to see the world from a really, you know, large viewpoint. And so it gave me the impression that I understood God in, in ways that many other people might not, just given the privileged position that we had. And we, um, uh, more and more, um, there were there were gaps in my in my personal life and in my uh, ministry life that I didn't really have anyone to go to. Um, 
places where I kind of felt just kind of, well, I don't know if I could ask that. Or, or, and so we were introduced to this couple who had a ministry out of their house. And so when you're coming from a church of 8,000 people or something, and you're going to go meet with someone who has 15 to 25 people in his living room, a young um, mindset might go, well, I wonder, they must not have too much influence. Yeah. And so I honestly went into a little skeptical. Of their credibility and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And we walked in um, to, because my, uh, my wife now, we were dating at the time. I'll just <laughs> that's leave it a at whole that. other podcast. <laughs> that's, that's five more episodes. <laughs> um, and um, so in, in a sense, we were going into like a, what I would call a counseling moment. And this couple, just their whole life was a sacred space. Hmm, and I'd never met anyone like that. Um, I thought I did, but I didn't until I met this couple. And and. Honestly, looking back, they were just really, I believe, a picture of what normal Christianity is always meant to look like. Yeah. And so Jeff and Joy um, invited us into their into their house, and and they just had this expectation. They they flipped things. They used language like, "Well, let's ask the Father what He has to say about what's troubling you." Hmm. And and it was a little like, "What? Okay, yeah, okay." Well, we'll and so they led us through some unfamiliar territory, which sounds funny, being in high-profile ministry. It was new to us at the time. And um, we had a tremendous connection with through the power of the Holy Spirit on some issues that were plaguing both of us. And so as a result of that, Jeff invited me back to hang out with him just one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I uh, came a few weeks later, and he greeted me at the at the door with an uncomfortably long hug. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you know where you yeah. release, and they're still holding on, and yeah, and you go, oh wow. I think you've called that like a spiritual MRI. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt like I was getting he was getting a, a spiritual read on me, and um, and honestly, it was it was an indicator of how uncomfortable I was with intimacy. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a whole other thing as well. So, we, so we go in and, uh, he says, well, let's have a seat here at the kitchen table and, and, uh, at this little sidecar little thing in his, in his kitchen. And there were, there were two chairs there and we sat down then he, he got up and he, he pulled up a third chair and I go, Oh, I thought it was just going to be us. And he says, Oh no, no. Um, I go, well, who else is coming? And he says, well, I do this when we're going to meet, this is for the Lord. And I thought, oh, that's cute. You know, that's yeah. nice symbolism. And he goes, no, really, we we're, we believe God's alive, right? We, have, we believe that he loves us, but we don't have a lot of faith that he'll actually communicate to us hmm. in moments like this. We, we have a hope that he'll communicate to us uh, when the word is being preached or, you know, in the midst of a... Uh, connecting in worship, but we don't in our day to day struggles. We sometimes we have a hard time um, connecting our world with the unseen world. Yeah. And so, in what Jeff said is what I do is I pull up this chair in the in our world to make a place for the one who who has authority over the unseen world, mm-hmm. so that we don't just talk about him and we don't speak for him. And we don't just presume that what he would say, 
it'd be rude if he was sitting there and we just, well, God would say this and, and talk he, about him in the third right, person. Exactly. Like, you know, you have someone over for dinner right. and you just, as if they weren't there. Yeah. Yes. And I find through the years now, years later, even after having 16 years of him pouring into my life, um, it's incredibly awkward if you're in a coffee house when someone's going through life's challenges and they really want to hear God's counsel. But they they kind of assume that I just know them so well that I'm going to give them, I'm going to speak on behalf of God. And I think there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that, but it's so much better if you hear from him direct. Yeah. And so to pull up a third chair in a coffee house or um, even on this recording and, and say, God, what? What do you want to say? You mm-hmm. are the the you have authority over the unseen, and there's some unseen things that are blocking my friend here. Hmm. There's some things in the way, and whether they're wounds or scars or or whatever, there's unseen things that are hindering them from becoming the person that you see them as. Yeah. And so, can you speak into this? And so, it was a little awkward to say the least. <laughs> To, uh, you know, I'd bring up an area that I was struggling with and he would say, well, let's ask the Lord. And I go, okay, let's do it. And then do you fill up that time with prayer words? Right. You know? Right. That's a big thing. Right? Yeah. And so what he taught me is the uncomfortable art of waiting on the Lord. Mm, So he would ask. That's really good. And then we would sit. Then we sit and wait. And then I would, he would notice that I was, ta- you know, squirming out like I didn't know what to do. And so he would say, he would ask questions. Are you getting any pictures in your mind? Are you, do you feel like you're daydreaming? Is there something in your thoughts that hmm. might be him bringing something up? And these were all things that I would thought, I thought was my imagination hmm. or just my, I'm drifting. And, and at times that could be true too, but, um, God gave us an imagination, I believe, to get us comfortable with a place where He could speak into our lives and He could speak into our hearts. That's really powerful because I think, first of all, how amazing and intentional and tender and patient of Jeff to really take your hand and lead you through that, you know, to be okay, His patience with your uncomfortableness Mm -hmm. and His loving wisdom to say, okay, so what are you sensing? You know, and I think that for those of us listening, you know, I've taught prayer classes and I've led worship and I've, I've mentored and I've, I've sat in front of people who have been walking with the Lord for 27 years, yeah, 30 years who feel like they've never heard his voice, right, right. who are even insecure about even praying out loud and yeah. feel the need for someone they consider to be spiritual mm-hmm. to pray on their behalf and then to hear on their behalf. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so my, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is how, how do we help people to, to do what Jeff did for you, yeah. yes. you know, to, yeah. to go, it's okay. It might be a little uncomfortable right now, but you know what? God is here and he loves you and he knows mm-hmm. and let's hear what he has to say mm-hmm. and then start to listen and also have permission to not get it right yeah. and to get it right. right. And to know that God's given us the, like, we have the filters to pass through. Like, does this line up with what God says about who he mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. Does it line up with what God says about who we are? Right. You know, if it does, then we're on the right track. Yeah. If it doesn't, then it's not. Clearly so, there's some mystery involved. 
yeah. know, because um, we're not getting necessarily the, the audible voice of God, um, although I believe that happens at yeah. times. It sounds, for the people who would say that that's happened to them, it seems to be a few and far between kind of thing. But as we listen, there are some other, you know, <laughs> there are some other voices, you know, that yeah. can get into our hearts as well. And so there's clearly, I mean, when we would be doing this, you know, our Bibles would be open. We would search out to see the correlations of what we believed God to be speaking into our hearts. Yeah. Um, he was teaching me, you know, the scriptures that say, we're two or more gathered, I'm there in their midst. It, it's really because he believed in the culture in which that was written. They were getting words of knowledge. They were getting, so God was speaking to their hearts, but because our hearts also have some other things attached to them, yeah. they would bounce that off of each other and go, it's do you bear witness with this? Affirmation, Does this sound yeah. like the Lord to you? And and what is, is the Holy Spirit, you know, bearing witness with this? And is it in alignment with, with who we know him to be in the, in the written word? Um, and so, I love that yeah. aspect of um, freedom. Yeah. And also the fact that every idea that comes across your head, let me just say, is not the Lord. Right. You know, because there are a lot of weird stuff that will go across our hearts. But um, learning, if we've learned anything in life so far about what it means to be in a relationship, communication is at the heart of everything. Yeah. Poor communication, good communication, learn developing new communication. Mm-hmm. And so it is with, with God. Is um, if he's alive and he is, and he is love and he is, and he wants to enjoy a relationship with us, communication is at the heart of that. Yeah. And so th- the, we believed when we were trying to think, what is our life really manifest? What is our life who he made Christine and I to be? What is, what would that look like if we, if we just lived that out? Yeah. Um, and third chair was really the picture of um, us moving from talking about God to talking with God, mm-hmm. from doing things for God in Jesus' name to doing things with God. Yeah. And and it it was a completely different paradigm. And and I would even go so far as to say, in our my current understanding of my relationship with God is much of my um, Christian life. I would say was I would put it in the category of I was saved, um, and so I had a new heart, um, but I was living somewhat of an orphaned. My position in in my relationship with God was. I was saved and rescued, so I upgraded my position clearly, but I still wasn't enjoying what Jesus enjoyed, and that was what it was to be like, to be a son, to be loved by God as a father. Yeah. And I believe that that's really what good news is, is that there's a father um, who desperately wants relational life with his kids, all of his kids. Yeah. And Jesus's life death and powerful resurrection was the the picture of what lengths God would go to to have this relationship but I feel like for so long I lived the enjoyment of salvation but I didn't understand the beauty of of sonship 
Right. And even the power to live, you know, what would Jesus do or how do I live like Jesus? I really believe the key to all of Jesus' power was his ability to receive love, not just the positional, like a, there's a grace for the world, there's God loves the world, but he actually tangibly, practically, and realistically received love from his father every day. Yeah. To where he would say things like, I'm only doing what I see and hear my father doing. If you've seen me, we are so one right. in our communication and the way he loves me that I can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. Um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. Right. No one comes, comes to, to the, the Father. Father. So that speaks of a journey and a destination. And yeah. I felt like Jesus had given me, a, had paid a price for a relationship with me that I was not enjoying. Yeah. It's the fulfillment of John 17, right? The prayer of Jesus for his disciples of us, you know, Lord, Father, that thank you that they're in me, like I'm in you. And would they be in me? And would they experience the oneness? And would they experience my glory? And would they, would, you know, that's his prayer is that we would have that communion, that intimacy, that abiding. That's, that's the vine and the branches analogy. That's all of those things that, that we've kind of turned into these stories that we, or teachings that we almost know by heart, but mm-hmm. we, we aren't fully receiving yeah. what they mean. Yeah. And I think your phrase, um, how do I do life with God, not for him, mm-hmm. right? That's, and that separates the Pharisees from the disciples, right? Yeah. You know, the, the, the Pharisees was a list of four. We need to check off all these boxes. You're not doing this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Very dutiful. And Jesus with his disciples, it was a come with me, mm-hmm. right? Be with me. Mm-hmm. A lot of mine, and I don't know if I wouldn't put this necessarily as a general context, but I found that in my Christianity, when I was coming from what I would call an orphan hearted, saved person experiencing the power of God, being used by God all over the world, I mean, I had fruit in my life as what right. I would call still having an orphan hearted saved position an orphan and 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 i say that with respect not as a derogatory term yeah but in my family of origin i had a you know broken family which is like probably 90 percent of the people who are listening um and at one point in my life i closed my heart off to my parents because it hurt too much and some of the the woundedness in our family spilled over into how they parented and how they didn't parent right and so that when you now cut yourself off from your parents, in a sense, you're setting yourself up for an orphan-hearted reality. And so I would be able to go to friends' houses and kind of join in the family, and they saw kind of what was going on, and they had compassion. And and I think some of the parents like me better than their own kids in some cases, <laughs> right. you know. But I would be adopted into that family. So to speak, I remember there were some Christmases that I was with families on the street, hmm. you know, where you would think you'd be with your family. Well, I kind of jumped into that family. I found value there. I found love there. I found a picture of what f- life could look like. But at the end of the day, I wasn't any of their sons. Right. I was a visitor. And I think a lot of my Christianity felt that way, yeah. that I, I got invited to an upgrade 
And Jesus paid such a price for me, and he gave me his life. Why wouldn't I give him mine? This is such an upgrade for my life, and it's such an honor. And so I became a very good servant. And I think orphan-hearted people can be really great servants. Yeah. Right? But um, what I found is when you are loved as a son, you will serve. Yeah. But servants don't necessarily all enjoy the life of sonship or as a daughter, right? Right. And so for me, that's been the biggest paradigm shift in uh, my life over the past, on my journey, that's probably been over 20 years, um, is learning how to receive love from God. And my process with Jeff, I began to be seen, understand how seen I was by the Father, and by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And as the more I felt seen and heard, the less I needed the um, those things that seemed to represent that but weren't necessarily true. Yeah. Because he wants to, We again, getting back to like what I said with my son, all kids want to be seen and heard Yeah. by those who are important to them, Yeah. especially their parents. And we're no different. And if you're listening and you don't feel seen, you don't feel heard, then that's a very lonely place. And and I could just tell you that God doesn't want you. He hates that you're there. Yeah. Um, I have friends who say, well, why? God picks up the phone for you, but he doesn't pick up the phone for me. And I would suggest that maybe there's something wrong with the receiver. Because I just, what we know of him in scripture, what we know of him historically, and what I know of him personally is that he is never going to just ignore anybody. There is nothing more true. Jesus is never going to ignore, ignore you. You are seen, you are known, you are loved. And if anything that Roy shared resonates with you, that orphan-hearted, I don't really belong, I'm not really worthy to receive the love of God, I need to prove that I belong here, I need to work to pay my way. Jesus is saying, no, (laughs) no, he paid it all. He's made a way. Our job is to receive. And that is probably the most difficult thing for most people to do is to receive. So Father God, I thank you that you are good and you are loving and you are kind. I thank you that you are pursuing and I thank you that you see us, that you know and that you love us. Lord, I pray for anyone who has felt like they didn't belong, who has felt that other people have access to a loving relationship with you, but they somehow don't qualify 
Father, would you just break the lies in Jesus' name? And would you pour out your presence and your love? That that love would reach into the far corners of hearts and minds and spirits. And that you would bring restoration and dependence on you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are good. I ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Space. If you would like more information about Roy and Christine Cochran and the Ministry of Third Chair, you can visit them at roycochran.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast and if you would be so kind as to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be amazing. If you want more information about Stockton Ministries and myself, Gina Stockton, you can visit us at ginastockton.com or in the sacredspace.com. And I would also just love to hear your thoughts, your comments, anything that God is doing and speaking to you through this time in the sacred space.